We're so glad that you've joined us today. My name's Alex Barrett, and I'm the pastor here at Ridgeview Church, and we're wrapping up a series we started a few weeks ago called Lives and Letters. And what we've been aiming to do in this series is looking at letters written in the New Testament to early Christians in the first century, asking the question, how can we bridge from their world into ours? When we started this series, we had no idea what would await us as we've been dealing with this coronavirus pandemic. And our lives have changed as a church. We've had to adjust. But I've been so amazed and encouraged at how Jesus and the word of God has given us exactly what we need in this moment. And so I hope you've been encouraged if you've been tuning in with us uh, by just how God's word is relevant and applicable. And today, we're gonna stay in that same theme of bridging from the world of the first century to our world today. We're gonna be looking at the letter of 1 John. I wanna tell you a little bit about John before we dig into his letter. John was one of the closest followers of Jesus Christ. He was on the inner core, Peter, James, and John. John saw Jesus up close. He was there really from the beginning of his ministry. And at the beginning of the letter of 1 John 1, 1, this is what he says. He says, that which was from the beginning, he's talking about Jesus, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we've looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. And so John wants us to understand that the letter that he writes, he's written the gospel of John. He wrote the book of Revelation from the island of Patmos. And then he wrote this letter, 1 John. He's saying that the things that I've written, I want you to know that these are not just mere ideas. These aren't just ideological principles. These are eyewitness accounts that I've seen up close the life of Jesus. And so the beginning of his letter, he wants us to know, like pay attention to what I'm saying because I've seen it. I've not heard somebody speak about Jesus. I have witnessed and been up close to his ministry and his life. And today we actually celebrate Palm Sunday. And John was there for the last week of Jesus' life. He was there for his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. He was there as he was brought on trial and wrongly accused. And he was there on the Friday night when he was put on the cross, crucified, and saw him die. And you'd think at that moment that John's hope was, was all lost, but like all of his closest followers, Jesus was risen again. And on the Sunday when he rose again, John was there to, to see the resurrected Jesus. And so everything that John knew about Jesus, up close and personal, all stems from his eyewitness accounts and the fact that Jesus had risen from the dead. And so as we celebrate Easter next week, John is kind of preparing us for this because of himself, his own account, of what he's seen and what he's heard. And so I wanna encourage you for the next few minutes. John's theme is a theme of love. He wants us to understand that Jesus came to this earth because God sent him out of love. Jesus taught out of love. He performed miracles out of love. He died on the cross out of love. He rose again out of love. And so everything that he writes about, John is saying, listen, you have to pay attention. It's about love. And so love in our day and age, can become an emotion. It can become a feeling. But John wants us to understand, no, this is about action. This is about what we do and how we live differently. And so what John wants us to understand is what we believe, specifically our beliefs, how they weave themselves into our everyday lives. And here's kind of the overarching theme of the book of 1 John. Knowing the real Jesus impacts how we live and love. Again, John knew the real Jesus, 
And he's saying, my life has been transformed. I'm not speaking about information. I'm speaking about transformation. And I want to tell you all about Jesus so your life can be transformed as well. Now, John doesn't pull punches. I don't know if you like a straight shooter, but that's who John is. He just goes right to the core of the truth. And he says this in 1 John 2, 4. Whoever says, I know him, speaking of Jesus, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. So John wants us to keep getting to this point where, you know what, it's not about what I say. John might have been the first person that ever said, like, talk is cheap. That's what he's saying here is, it's not about what you say, it's about what you do. And specifically, it's not about what you say in love, it's about what you do in love. Again, that action. He wants honesty and this love be true of all of our lives. He says this in 1 John 2, 5 and 6. Again, pay attention to just how straight he shoots. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. And so John is saying, again, what I've seen and what I've heard, this is the pattern for which all Christ followers should walk in. We want to walk like Jesus. And so when we talk about walking with God or walking with Jesus, it's this pattern that we all want to follow. We want to walk on the path that he walked. We want to do things that he did. Now, if you were around in the 90s, uh, kind of in Christian circles, you might have seen this bracelet, the WWJD bracelet. Do you guys remember one of those? You may have had one. I know I had one in high school, and you're supposed to put it on as a reminder of what would Jesus do in the situation that we find ourselves in? And that actually is a great question. What would Jesus do? And this is what John is saying. Look, it's not about what we say, but what would he actually do? Now, I wore this bracelet, but it became more of just this token thing that didn't really transform me. It was just something that I put on because other people put it on. And I think some of that is because when we think about loving like Jesus, it seems like something that's so far off and unattainable. In fact, here's a comic that speaks a little bit to what happens if we shift WWJD to to something else. Let's watch this clip together. James had problems. He would go to his parents with his problems, and you know what they would say? He'd be like, well, what would Jesus do, you know? (laughs) Then they gave him a bracelet. They gave him a bracelet, and um, (laughs) then he started selling those bracelets, you know? Made some money selling bracelets. What would be cool is a what would James do bracelet, right? Same initials, different meaning. <laughs> Completely different meaning. You driving down the street, you get cut off in traffic. You fuss them out, your pastor gonna be like, yo, you got a what would Jesus do bracelet on? You're like, uh-uh, that's what would James do. Now that, that clip just has made me laugh so many times this past week. Now, I find the humor in that. I appreciate that. Because at the end of the day, thinking about what Jesus would do sometimes, again, just feels like something that we, we, can't, we can't live up to. What John is saying is, when you decide to follow Jesus, and when you decide to live life his way, he's going to do the work in you to make you a different person. Oftentimes, we think we just have to kind of put on this, this mask or put on this special suit to, to just make us change. But he's like, no, this is from the inside out. And so John wants us to ask questions of ourselves. And In a way, he wants to give us these these tests so that we can really evaluate, am I living a different life? Have I allowed Jesus to transform me from the inside out? 
Now, as I ask some of these questions, uh, you may feel just discouraged or you may feel overwhelmed by, again, the thought of how do I live this life that Jesus has set? Now, Jesus was perfect. He did not sin, and I sin all the time, and I'm sure you do as well. But what John wants us to, to get is not to be discouraged or to beat ourselves up, but to really ask, like, wow, if I decide to follow Jesus and I surrender to him daily and I spend time in his word and I soak up the truth and I pray and I ask God for help, over time I can change and I can live a transformed life. So the first test, the first question that, that John wants us to ask is this. Do I love others like Jesus did? Now, as I ask myself that question, oftentimes I think it depends. Depends on the situation, depends on how I'm feeling, how much sleep I've gotten, depending on who I'm relating to. But regardless of the way that we feel in a situation, here's what John says to encourage us, challenge us forward. 1 John 3, 10, it says, by this, it is evident who are the children of God. Now, he is just cutting right to the core. And who are the children of the devil? Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Again, the theme of love is coming out of this letter, and he's saying, pay attention. Love is what we need to focus on. Love is what we need to live by. Love is the way that Jesus came and lived. He's the way that he came and died. He's the way that he came and rose again. It's all about love because God loves us so much. That's why he sent his son, Jesus, to save us, to save us from ourselves and our own selfishness. But again, easy to say, but difficult to live out. So I thought to myself, I know the way Jesus lived and I grew up listening to his stories, how he loved and extended himself for others. Why do I have such a hard time doing that myself. Why do I have difficulty loving other people? And you may find yourself in those situations too. Like you, you have this intent maybe when you wake up, like I wanna treat my kids a certain way. I wanna treat my spouse a certain way, my coworkers, my neighbors. I wanna drive in a different way. So I'm actually loving people the way that Jesus said. I think for me, so much of what the problem is and what limits love is this. So this question, what, what limits love? In my life, it's this, it's, it's fear. Now, just kind of hang with me here because I think this, this notion of, of fear is, is so important to kind of think about and wrestle with. So fear is this. If I love others, who will take care of me? Because again, what John is talking about is this certain love that you're, you're looking out for others' interests. You're looking out for others' goals. Fear says, now, if I do that, if I'm looking at other people, if I'm looking at other people's goals, who's gonna take care of me? And what John is saying is, listen, if, if you wanna follow Christ, you realize that it's not about your special power or ability. It's about the fact that God will take care of you and he has taken care of you by sending Jesus. And when you decide to follow Jesus with your whole heart and your whole life, he will take care of you. And as he takes care of you and his love that he gives you, that love radiates from your life and you can extend it to others. And so fear limits love and it blocks it from coming out of our lives. Uh, specifically for me, here's just some practical ways that, that kind of fear manifests itself. And so I just wanna highlight these and see if any of these re resonate with you. The first is, is this, fear oftentimes shows itself up in control. When we don't think we're gonna get taken care of, we tend to wanna control our circumstances and control people. 
Because if we can move circumstances around and we can move people around and they can get us what we want, then we can get taken care of. Uh, The second way this manifests is comfort. Uh, Comfort looks at what feels good in the moment. Now, I often, in a situation, always want to do what feels good. I want to be happy. I want to have fun. But oftentimes, that's looking inward. That's self-focused. And so fear says, like, you know, if that's not going to feel good, do you really want to do it? And that leads to the, the last, convenience. Fear manifests itself in convenience this way, and convenience is the easy way. Fear tells us this is not going to be easy to love that person. It's not going to be easy to extend yourself for that person. So if it's not going to be easy and it's not going to be fun, you're not going to be able to control people or the circumstances to not do it. But again, thank you for Jesus Christ that we don't have to be left to our fear because fear blocks love that Jesus came to conquer fear. And this is why John says what he says in 1 John 4, 18 and 19. Pay attention to this. It's so helpful. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love, complete, matured in love. We love, check this out, we love because he first loved us. I think what John is saying here is fear is natural. Wanting to control people is natural. Wanting comfort, wanting convenience. This is all natural to us. In fact, left alone, this is what we will all do. What Jesus is saying through John here is, is look, Jesus came to conquer fear and he conquered fear in love, not by controlling, not by choosing the easiest path. Jesus himself came to die on our behalf so that we could experience the love that God has for us. And this is the type of love that makes a difference. It's more than a feeling. It's more than emotion. It is transformative. It's interesting in this passage, the fear that he's talking about there uh, is where we get the word phobia. And phobias are things that kind of freak us out. They, they overwhelm us. We get a phobia and we freeze. We're, we're paralyzed. Uh, I asked my wife if I could share this, so I'm going to. But my, my wife has a, a fear of, of mice and of rats. And for the most part, I think we all do. They can tend to, to freak us out and overwhelm us. When we were newly married, we moved into this kind of spacious apartment. And we loved the new space, and the new opportunity for us to live there. But one night as we were getting ready for bed, I began to hear little feet crawling up in our ceiling. And just all of a sudden, like the hairs on the back of my neck began to just turn up. And I just thought, what is that noise? My, you know, Sam said, what is that? And, you know, young married, I was thinking, well, I don't want to have to like, do something right now. It's time for bed. I, what, what is that noise? And I kind of tried to play it off and ignore it. And you could just hear these little... You know, they're doing a river dance up in our, uh, just, tick, 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 you know, all these. And, and what it was, it was rats. And we'd open drawers and we were seeing rat droppings. And we were all just kind of in this phobia and this fear and paralyzed. And again, love in the, in the moment, like, doesn't cause us to action. And so what, what he's saying is the only way to get rid of a phobia is it has to be cast out. And so as we faced the rats in the situation, I began to look up in the attic and think, how do we get rid of them? And set traps and all sorts of stuff. And that's what we need to do. If you have a phobia of something, you can't just face it and just, well, I have to deal with it. You actually have to get rid of the phobias for you to move forward. 
And that's what Jesus' love is doing. It casts out, it's this action of it's thrown out. So Jesus, through his love, he throws out fear. The sacrifice that he made on our behalf causes us to not have to give in to the control of people or our circumstances. It causes us to live for more than comfort, causes us to live for more than convenience because his love, this perfect love, it casts it out. It gets rid of it. And this is where we find the good life. And so I just wanna encourage you, if you face fear, we all do. In our current time, I think anxiety is on the rise. We're fearful, we're overwhelmed, and that is okay. We're facing circumstances we've never faced before. But I think John's words ring true to us because with Jesus, we have a perfect love that can cast out the things that we don't know what to do. We don't know how to do it. We don't know when to do it. He brings the help that we need. So I just wanna give you some practical things. Here's some ways that you can love others around you. These are just steps. So how do I love others like Jesus? Well, here are some things. The first is don't judge others right now for being afraid. I know there's a lot of uneasiness, anxiety, like I mentioned, but don't judge others because they feel that way. Judging others always kind of comes from this position of we're in a superior position to other people and we put ourselves, you know, on top of just my ideas, my understanding is better than yours. And, you know, judgment is just this, like we look down upon people. Well, that's not love. That's actually rooted in in us trying to one-up people. And so don't judge others. Instead, the second practical thing is care for those nearby. Care for those nearby you. Uh, As people are overwhelmed, they they need a friend to come alongside them, a friend to listen, someone to help. That's how you can love people. And then that leads to the third. Extend ideas and resources uh, to others. Now, again, we're living in a time where many of us are at home. We're no longer working. We're not going out to visit people. And I saw this clip that was sent to me the other day of kind of the default that we find ourselves in. Uh, Just watch this, just for, again, a little comedic relief. Because of coronavirus, you are going to be quarantined, but you have a choice. Do you, A, quarantine with your wife and child, or B? B. (laughs) B. B. Now, again, you watch that, and it's funny. You laugh it off. But I know for many of us in our new circumstances, especially as we're relating to our spouses or our kids, or we're trying to get on Zoom, or we're trying to do meetings, the frustration just tends to rise. Expectation tends to rise. And these are the things that, that limit love. And so as we extend ideas and resources to others, as we care for people, and as we are slow to get to judgment, we're actually living like Jesus lived. And that is the type of love that can transform people, transform relationships. So that's the first test. Am I loving like Jesus said? And here's the second test, test number two. Now, John goes a step further. Do I sacrifice for others even when it's convenient? Now, I love how John further defines what love is. Again, it's not a feeling. It's not just a song that we can sing. It's not a poem that we write. It's an action. It's an action rooted in the steps that Jesus himself came on this earth to show us what love is. 1 John 3, 16 through 18. Just read this with me and just kind of embark on just this definition of love. By this, we know love, that he, that he there again, was referring to Jesus, that he laid down his life for us. 
and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Now, it can seem there that John is saying little children in a condescending way. No, he's saying, listen, we are part of the same family. Let's have a simplicity to loving the way Jesus said. Let's not forget his example. And his example was that of a sacrifice to come and lay down his life. Now, for you and I, um, I don't always have all these different ways that I can practically sacrifice my life for people. Oftentimes, it shows up in my own will and saying no to myself. But we're actually living in a time because of coronavirus where people are laying their lives down, uh, specifically healthcare, all the professionals in the different industries, working in nursing homes, hospitals, hospice care. These people are actually sacrificing themselves for others. I want to show a video as well of a scene uh, in Georgia over the last couple of weeks that people came to the local hospital to express appreciation for these people that have sacrificed themselves. I want to show this because I think it, it highlights this, this picture of love that we all long for, people that will sacrifice for us. And I just want to thank all of the people that are doing this here and now for the lives of others. Let's watch this clip together. That video actually gives me the chills. What, what happened in the scene is these people rallied around in the parking lot outside the hospital, and somebody decided to play that song, Waymaker, which we, we sing as a church. And that song that they're, they're playing out is like pointing to the fact that, you know what, with Jesus, there, there is a way. He will provide a way to give us what we need in the moment. And on the roof, there are all the hospital care workers that are you know out there thanking people for this, this token of just deep appreciation. But in that moment, what I love about the song is it kind of frames it. Like people can love because this is how God has loved us. We can't originate this type of love within ourselves. In fact, the scriptures say that God is love. He's the originator, the creator. There is no love outside of him. So I believe as people are sacrificing themselves, what we're seeing is this picture of Jesus Christ himself. That's what he came to do. But it's beyond just here and now. He came to sacrifice his life so that we could, in eternity, be with him. That he would pay the price for our sin, that we could know him personally and again be transformed from the inside out. And so as I look at this scripture and as I look at the examples of sacrifice, I'm so motivated. How can I do this in my own life? And so you see in that scripture, this, this idea of not closing out your heart. And so I, I just wanna encourage you, if, if you're a Christ follower, I believe that you would say that, that Jesus is the most important thing in your life. Like he is the center of your heart. He guides what you do. And so what John is saying, if that is true, if Jesus is the center of your life, you have a unique opportunity to transform the people around you by extending his love to others. When you decide to follow Christ, he fills you with his love. He fills you with his power, not just so that we can be full, is that we can empty it out in the lives of people and then get refilled again. 
And then as we're full again through what Jesus provides, we empty it out in the lives of people. And then we get, and this process goes again and again. And this is how to walk the way that Jesus walked. And so I wanna just end with some practical ways that, that you can, can do this. And I wanna bridge uh, to our world. And I wanna ask the, the question as we bridge to our world, and, and it's this, what do others need right now? What do others need physically, emotionally, spiritually? Because Jesus has called us to sacrifice for others. And the way that we sacrifice, is we actually have to look at what do people need and how can I lay my life down to help provide? And so for me, that oftentimes means resources. I have time. How can I sacrifice my time for others? I wanna encourage you in this season specifically, can you increase your prayers for those around you? It may mean that you lose uh, some free time. It may mean that you lose some sleep. But I believe part of the sacrifice that we can do as we lay down our life for people is that we can lift them up in prayer. Prayer changes things. Prayer changes lives. Hearts that are hard are softened. Obstacles are made clear. And we can move forward. And we know that as we pray, God hears us. And so I wanna encourage you, one of the ways that you can love others is, is pray. Pray for your neighbors. Pray for your family members. Specifically, pray for those who don't yet know Jesus. They are longing for this love that he gives. They're longing to experience that love and we all look for it in so many places. But it can be found in the person of Jesus. And so pray for them. Another thing is just with, with your time and your words, maybe you can encourage those around you I don't know when the last time you have written a card to somebody, but if you have extra time on your hands, what would it take for you to write just some letters or cards to people in your life and thank them for the investment that they've made in you? What about some coworkers that you have where you can just say, you know what? I wanna just share just how much I appreciate your friendship, the way that you work. I wanna just share with you the difference that Jesus has made in my life. And that leads to the third point. We can share our, you know, our sacrifice, our time and, and encourage people, but, but also if Jesus is the most important thing to you, he wants you to actually share the difference that Jesus has made in your life with others. And oftentimes when we think about sharing our faith, you know what fills us? It's that word again, fear. What will people think of me? What will people do? Will I be rejected? Will I be misunderstood? Will I be labeled? We're living in a time right now where people are longing for hope and they're longing from the sacrificial love that Jesus can bring. And I wanna encourage you, God wants to use you. He wants to use you to extend that love to others. And so you'll see on your listening guide, and if you don't have your listening guide, you can pause this video right now and you can actually print it out. Or if you have a piece of paper near you, you can just write this yourself, whatever is comfortable for you. But I really encourage you to write this down. And this is just a practical next step where you look at this, this chart and it's, it's simple. How can I sacrifice and extend love. There's a who and there's a what. And so you'll see it there on the screen. What's my action plan for extending Jesus' love? Who are the people in my life? Again, these could be friends, family, neighbors, coworkers. Could be people that you've not talked to in a while and you just need to reach out to them. You need to take initiative. I encourage you, fill out that chart. As you're living in your neighborhood, ask your kids, if you have kids, what are some ways that we can love our neighbors right now? What are some ways that we can show the difference that Jesus has made? You know, oftentimes kids have some great ideas because they, they, they can think in this simple way, like, how can I love? So I encourage you to think that through as a, as a spouse, 
If you're married, talk to them. As roommates, talk to each other. Who are the people in our life and what can we do? Now is the time for action. And speaking of action, I wanna close uh, with some next steps. So John is saying, again, if we say we have all these ideas, but, but we're not doing it, we're, we're missing the boat. And so each week at Ridgeview, we have these next steps. And this is our way of saying, you know what? Based on what we've heard, based on what we understand, what can we do to live differently? And so I wanna encourage you, here are some next steps that you can take this week and mark those on your connection card. Joel had you begin to fill that out. If you've not yet filled that out, as soon as the service is over, fill out that connection card and mark your next step. Here, here's the first one. Uh, read the letter of 1 John. If you've never read through this letter, it is so helpful, focused on love, practically in action. And so read that letter. The second next step is, again, asking the question, what do others need right now? And work through my action plan. Make a table, who and what. And when you get that person, go to the next person, who and what. What can I do? How can I sacrifice? How can I extend love? And then the third next step is inviting somebody to watch our Easter service. And there's a blank there. You could just put their name. Who in your life can you invite to Easter? Now, you'll see on the screen there our Easter webpage, ridgeviewchurch.com slash Easter. It has information about our Easter service, information about the new series that we're gonna be starting called My Story, Living the Story You Wanna Tell. People are so desperate to live a story worth telling. And so I encourage you, the people in your life, invite them to Easter. Again, the barrier has never been lower. We're not in person, and I'm gonna miss seeing all of you and all of your families but what a difference we could have this Easter if we just got the word out to all the people that we knew. You know what? We're gonna have this special Easter service online and I want to invite you. I want you to hear about the difference that Jesus can make in our lives. And if you could invite the people in your life and they watch what could happen if Jesus transforms their heart. And again, the love that they've longed for, they can find in the person of Jesus. And so I wanna encourage you, there's a practical way, just invite them to our Easter service. Uh, we're also making Easter baskets. And so if you wanna kind of pass out an Easter basket to a neighbor, we're gonna be putting these together this week in a sanitary way to make sure there's no germs being passed. But we wanna extend like love to families. Like here's an Easter basket from Ridgeview Church and it's gonna have an invite card to watch our service. And so on your connection card, there's a next step. Like I want to pass out an Easter basket. Let us know and we'll get that to you. Again, we want to extend this love to others. And it's not just what we say, it's what we do. So we wanna sacrifice for those around us. So I wanna encourage you. There are so many opportunities that we have this next week. This is a huge week at Ridgeview Church. So if you don't follow us on social media, you'll see right there the different ways that you can. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram. You'll see our online community webpage. Get connected with us online. The reason I tell you that is social media right now, so many people are on it. They're spending more time getting content. They're spending so much more time experiencing things. If you can like Ridgeview and share things from Ridgeview, people are seeing that. They're seeing something and, and God can use that to pique the interest of others. And so I encourage you, if you don't follow us on those platforms yet, please do and begin to share. We're gonna have the event on Facebook, our Easter service, that you can invite people as well through that. So whatever means that you have, I encourage you, leverage that to share the difference that Jesus has made in your life and invite people to experience Ridgeview Church's Easter service. So thank you guys so much for, for joining us today. We're so glad that you've joined us. 
I'm so excited to see what God continues to do through our church. And if you're not a part of Ridgeview and you're just exploring, we encourage you, you can join in right now. Go to ridgeviewchurch.com online community and you can get practical ways to get involved. So God bless you guys. I hope you have a great week and we can't wait to celebrate with you this next Sunday as we celebrate Easter together. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for being with us today. We thank you for the example of Jesus who didn't just talk about it. He lived his life and he laid his life down for us. He was the ultimate sacrifice so that we could know what love is. He died to pay for our sin so that we are no longer guilty. We don't need to live by fear. We don't need to control, be guided by comfort or convenience. We can actually extend the love of Jesus to others because his love can transform us. So God, this next week, give us eyes to see the opportunities to love like Jesus did. Help us to see the ways that we can sacrifice for others. God, we ask for your power to fill us and for your love to transform us. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen.